Welcome to Taking Ship, a guided cruise through dumbest timeline America. I am your favorite host, Maggie Moore, and this week I am joined in full force by my two henchmen, Frank Spring and Ellie Jacobs. This is our post-shutdown edition, so I am happy to report that we are still not being paid to host this show. Yeah, those sons and of never, bitches. And, and never will be, by God. <laughs> those sons of bitches at Casper Mattress will pay Cowards. attention to us one day. Pay us, Casper, you cowards. Come forth. Bring money. When we think, when I think of the good work we've done for Casper Mattresses here, without recompense, well, I don't want to call us heroes, but I don't not want to call us. <laughs> We're not, not heroes. We're not villains, that's for damn sure. Uh, as always, please be sure to leave comments and rate us uh, because Maggie's ego desperately needs it. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Taking Ship, and that's ship with a P as in pillow, going with our Casper theme. You can follow Maggie at Maggie M012, me at Ellie Jacobs, and Frank at Frank Spring. This week has obviously been, um, well, eventful starting really on Thursday because just a lot of stupidity happened earlier in the week. Um, but we're going to have a quick episode today because why not? And since next week is the Super Bowl, I'm assuming we'll have a super long pregame before the pregame before the pregame episode, which could go on for six or seven hours. And as Lewis Black once said, he watched so much pregame football one year, he hated America by the end of it. But uh, we start with an update from the war on the war on stupidity, which those of you who listen to the live show will recognize as the Democratic presidential primaries. Uh, this week, we got some news, or just in the last 24 hours, really. Bernie Sanders, because he's ancient <laughs> and really just trying to be down with the kids, leaked word to Yahoo News. You heard that right, Yahoo News. Yahoo. Apparently is still fair, a thing. It's the last open newsroom in America, though. Yeah, that's that's sad. I didn't true. even know they had a newsroom. I didn't yeah, even know like, Yahoo was still a website. No, you just go down the hall, and there's like a guy, you know, second on the right, and uh, and he's a the hamster running the wheel. Tell them stuff, and they run it. It's awesome. Yeah, they legit still have like one of those old ticker tape things from uh, from like the twenties. <laughs> that's how they're getting word in and out. Absolutely. <laughs> they're all still working on dial up. I really admire the way they broke the sinking of the Lusitania. That's <laughs> <laughs> just, just good, good feature writing. Good. They were on top of the Hindenburg. Solid, I tell you. That's precisely it. <laughs> on so this. Bernie Sanders leaked word to Yahoo News uh, that he will be running for president again for unbeknownst reasons, seeking the Democratic primary despite not being a Democrat. But uh, in addition to that, this evening on 60 Minutes, Howard Schultz, he of Starbucks Coffee, goes just about as close to saying he's going to run in as, an, as an independent as someone could without actually saying I'm going to run in as an independent. So both flavors of aged white guys who really don't stand a chance, do they, guys? Yeah, this is an interesting one. I, I mean, in, so some of us, and by that I mean I think only me, has wrestled a little bit with how to feel about Bernie's 2016 run. Uh, I don't think you all have wrestled particularly hard with it. I think you're both, you, you, you strike me as being I'm fairly good. clear. I'm I wrestled in like the WWF way of like somebody from the stands would come in and Andre the Giant would like <laughs> them over the side. Like that, that's about how I wrestled. Yeah, you wrestled with it when that you, that came a, you came at it with like a folding chair. And yeah. yeah, no, that's fine. The only reason I've wrestled with it is that I do think there was a, there was some, there, it was important, I think, for the party in the long run for us to have left 2016 with someone to have said our relationship with over with highly concentrated capital is really uncomfortable and not good for the party. That was a useful thing for someone to have said. I'm glad someone said it. I'm not crazy about the messenger and I'm not crazy oh about a lot of God, other things. Oh my God, at what cost? Well, quite. So, I mean, 
at what cost? That not is such a phenomenal response, yeah. Maggie. I, that what, the yeah. perfect response. At, at what cost not doing it though would be the other uh, would you know would, would be yeah. the you know would, would be my counter. But anyway, rather than relitigating twenty sixteen as much fun as this is going to be, the the knock on Sanders it always seemed to me, and this is a knock that's similar to the ones delivered to Jeremy Corbyn, uh, is that uh, these are is that these guys seemed they they appear to be very altruistic. They talk a lot about the class struggle and the you know the, the, you know and, and how important it is to orient policy toward working people, and yet there is an a knock that that is given to both of them is they're both quite vain, uh, and and these are guys who have held the same politics basically for forty years unchanging, and the cycle of politics has come around back to them. This Sanders run seems to me to suggest that that is true about him, because he has whether we want to admit it or not, his candidacy in twenty sixteen fundamentally changed Democratic Party politics in the sense that it created space for what is now emerging as a party as the Democratic Party as a standard part of the Democratic Party platform. Like we're all out here talking about Medicare for all. We're, a lot of us are out here talking about free college. A lot of us are out here talking about you know tax rates that make sense and look something like what you might have in a functioning economy. All of that, I think is in part because his campaign created space for all of that. He has done his job. He has no shot at winning, and yet he's coming back because he doesn't know what else to do with himself. Because there is nothing else to do with himself. And, like, it's not like no one was talking about... Maybe no major candidate was talking about this kind of stuff, but there's been people that have been working in politics that have been fighting for stuff like this for a long time. Um, And if Bernie was so capable of actually getting this stuff to happen, maybe his name would be on more fucking legislation in the seat that he's occupied for, I don't know, 50 gajillion years. So I just want him to go away and continue to do nothing as he has done for 30 fucking years in the same place. Yeah, I still go back to that Hillary Clinton was such an unattractive and unappealing candidate. That's really, it, it was less Bernie's message and more that he was just offering a different anything to what Hillary Clinton was offering that that created a lot of the a lot of the boom. And because he got the Bernie bros involved, it became like a, you know, social media phenomenon to be cool you had to go to a bernie rally and raise the red flag and grow your hair long and wear sweater vests and oh i was in brooklyn i saw it i saw it (laughs) (laughs) i do think it's kind of interesting though that like the two older like gang ungainly white guys are sort of like we're not like your average establishment we're a cool establishment like it's very how do you do fellow kids um for the both of them i'm from the same state as fish and ben and jerry's oh god no and there's i yeah i mean it's we again the 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 Sanders thing. Whenever he comes up, we're and then this ultimately, I would argue, is the final argument against his candidacy. Whenever he comes up, it always devolves into a relitigation of twenty sixteen. Yep. And yep. and there's just there is oh my god, like we. And we I, I I personally still can't get past the fact that he's not a registered Democrat. Like I know Frank, you think less of that than I do, but that is like if you're gonna play if you're gonna if you're gonna play in a game, you gotta like choose a team. Yeah, I, 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 it, it does not me less, but I agree. Like, if you're, it, it is reflective again of the man's vanity that, like, I don't have to sully myself by by doing something as gross as joining a political party. It's, I, I, I don't find it particularly attractive. And it, yeah, but, but the fun thing that I like about this is you've got Sanders, who is, you know, I mean, continuing this kind of vanity run uh, as the people's candidate, and then you've got Howard Schultz, who is, go, who is doing a vanity run as no one's candidate. Yeah. Literally, no one's candidate. No one asked yeah. for you, my dude. Ashley Feinberg of uh, in, of the oh. of, is it, is it Huffington Post. I know exactly. Just you know, I'm a huge you know, fan of Ashley Feinberg. Goddamn champion, Ashley Feinberg. Come on the podcast, fight Ellie, uh, and be friends with Mags. 
That's what we want from you, Ashley Feinberg. Isn't that really what we say with every kid, with every guest? I mean, <laughs> we should. Someone's got to do it. I'm wearing out. Uh, we got to get. I out. need more friends. Come on, yeah, be friend. friend. But she, she is terrific. But she pointed out today that there is one. There is a constituency of one for the Schultz candidacy, and that is Jim Vandehei. That somewhere this yeah. is like, this is this is Vandehei's like apotheosis is the candidacy of uh, yeah. Schultz. Yeah. And if that isn't an argument against it, I don't know what is. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's just because that Axios will pay attention to him, which yeah. means like the chattering class will pay attention to him and it'll become a thing. Which it's is going to be so fucking stupid. I can't, I can't yeah, believe it. It's just phenomenally, phenomenally stupid. Extremely overly looking forward to this overly, to this like overly burnt and not that great overpriced candidacy. Yeah. you. He provides free Wi Fi to most of the country. That's really. <laughs> I really thought that you were going to say the constituency for Howard Schultz is one, and that's Howard Schultz. Howard, um, I'm not even sure that he's. I'm that. not even sure that, that like, that's true. <laughs> that's true. That's fair. So when um, when was the interview with Schultz? It'll be airing tonight. Tonight. Okay. Um, well, I personally will not be watching. Can't speak for for everyone, but that because that's about enough of that as I needed. Um, mm-hmm. But I'd like to put us into the way 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 back machine to Friday. If everyone's cool with like taking a ride with me, I can't um, remember that far back. Yes, honestly, I can't either because I'm just Fucking sort of getting Friday. over a cold. Um, so I decided. Honestly, to- watching last week through the haze of Nyquil and Dayquil was probably the only way to do it. It was literally the only way that I survived. But I decided to work from my apartment on Friday. All my meetings could be done by the phone. It was great. Um, so I got to experience the onslaught of batshit news alone. So I'm very excited to talk to you two about this because it was absolutely crazy. Mm-hmm. So let's start with the early morning hours. I'm imagining that like that beautiful morning song playing and fucking FBI agents without being paid, kick the door down of Roger Stone's yeah. apartment to arrest his ass. Mm-hmm. And yeah. The, I, best, like, the best thing about the best two things so about that good. one. Yeah. Fr- friend of the pod, Chris Goldsmith had a terrific line to, to, to some of us in a, in an online chat. He said, imagine being an FBI guy, not getting paid. And then they're like, Hey, we're going to go bot- bust Roger Stone. How many dudes like lined up to get in on that? Put me in coach. Yeah. And I'll then the other best part is CNN just happened to have a camera crew set up outside of his place. They didn't have a warning that he was being indicted. I mean, it's just a safe assumption. Like if you're CNN and you have 6 billion camera crews and producers, just Okay, dude, yeah, you're going to go hang out in Florida outside Roger Stone's house because this shit is going to happen. We just don't was, know when. I was imagining that Roger Stone, that, excuse me, that, that, that CNN just has camera crews roving Florida at all times anyway just to wait for you some You never crazy know thing. what's yeah. going to happen in Florida. Florida man. But, yeah, exactly. You never know. You never know. Um, like, like, dude so, getting a tattoo to an alligator or some shit. And they're like, man, we've got to get a crew there like right now. Yeah. Or speaking, of getting ta- mm-hmm. speaking of getting tattoos... Roger Stone and that fucking Richard Nixon tattoo oh. makes me want to barf. Barf. If I, after if I never indicted. see another picture of Roger Stone's <gasps> half-naked body. I swear to God, after he got <laughs> indicted, that's like all anybody could talk about on Twitter. And I was, had to throw my phone across the room because I, was, I, couldn't, I couldn't look at it anymore. Oh. It was terrifying. He just seems like the biggest fucking... He's not a good threat. person. Like, Oh my God! He's a what an real. unimaginable bastard! I'm Did you so see glad the, he got arrested. I think the best part of all of it on Friday was the Nixon Library coming out and saying that like he was a sixteen-year-old volunteer, like he was not a dirty trickster for us. Like he was, we had real legit dirty tricksters who went to prison. He was yeah. like a sixteen-year-old intern who got coffee. That was an amazing tweet. I did read that because that was the thing that I feel like I've heard from everybody is that yeah. like he's been like a bad person since the Nixon campaign. The library is like, well, actually, yeah. <laughs> he has been a bad person. He just wasn't a bad person for them. Right. But on, 
I, I feel like we left. He is such a dipshit that I feel like we left a fundraising opportunity on the table because yeah, those FBI agents did that for free, and I and I appreciate that. But I mean, how much would any of us have paid yeah, to legit. be part of that, right? If they'd open it up mm-hmm. for auction to give to give this guy what uh, yeah. uh, SB Nation Spencer Hall refers to as the Raylan Givens alarm clock, <laughs> that, I, I would, like I don't know, I would have rung and squeezed my funds to have been there for that. Yeah, you probably could have. You definitely. If Trump were if Trump weren't just a grifter, but actually like a good businessman, he would have put that up and like built the wall based on the back of that money. You could hit six figures easily oh, yeah. per, per ticket on this thing. Yeah. I know some yeah. poli- I know some political consultants in New York who like would have emptied their bank accounts and like sold kidneys to do it. Yeah. Hell yeah. I mean, same. But yeah. uh, speaking <laughs> of getting paid, these FBI guys are probably going to get their back pay because then later the same day, um, Trump had the Rose Garden address to basically tell the world that he now has to call Nancy Pelosi mommy for the rest of his life. Yeah. Um, which was a joke on SNL. I think they were doing Jeopardy or something. Um, or no, it was deal or no deal. And Nancy, um, Nancy's thing was, you have to call me mommy, which I thought was very good. But now he does. And she stole his lunch because um, the government's reopened for a little bit, I guess. That press conference, because I was at my apartment, I watched part of it. And I try not to watch him speak live all that often ever, but it's, it was a goddamn yeah. mess. I'm not owned. I'm not owned. What was the comment? So, some reporter who was there who could see the teleprompter commented that like it, the teleprompter currently just says insert, insert something. And he was just ad-libbing. Oh, he was ad-libbing for sure. You could watch him turn into a corn cob as he was speaking, speaking yeah. of I'm not owned and Ashley Feinberg. Um, but he like went off script at one point talking about um, like what happens what's happening to like migrant families as they're coming in and how they're being treated by gangs. He was talking about like women with duct tape over their mouths. It was what? I, like, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I like kind of fucked up things are he and Melania doing. This I is... don't know. Also, you don't put duct tape on someone's mouth. It comes off very easily. Not that I would know that for any particular reason, <laughs> but <laughs> not know. if their hands are bound. Man. I have it on good authority that you can just like slobber it right, right. off. No, so. Listen, we've got to get to the bottom of this thing. All right. Listen, what are we talking about? Who's, who's using painter's tape? I know it seems weak, but it actually doesn't. <laughs> no, I think that actually that David Roth, friend of the podcast, uh, you know, friend of our hearts. we got to get that dude for, back on. We're a terrific, terrific piece for Deadspin. Uh, on, on this very subject. And he talks about that and just, I, so I will not neither quote nor paraphrase him. You also just read it. Uh, it's David Roth that came out on Saturday. It's called, you can't get there from here. Yeah. We'll put it in the notes. Yeah. It's so good. But, but basically he talk, and, and his sort of, you know, that thing about like, you know, pe- traffickers bringing women across with blue tape across their mouths. Like it, as with so many of the things in Trump's life, you just have no idea where it could possibly have come from. Like did Lou Dobbs honk it at him at some point? Like, did he just, did he see it in the movie? Like the man's brain is porridge. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm watching 24, a lot of 24. We pretty so much know that he watches Fox and Friends. He talks to Mark Meadows. He talks to Sean Hannity. And mm-hmm. that's pretty much like, I guess Jared like comes in and like kisses his boots every now and again. But like, I don't think he's really talking to anybody else. He's getting yeah. his news from, he's getting everything that he's, and Stephen Miller. Melania Tom sure Barrett, as shit Tom, isn't talking to him. Tom yeah. Barrick's ducking his calls. <laughs> Who wouldn't? Yeah. And you know, Coulter, I, Ann Coulter basically called him a wuss, or did call him a wuss? Didn't did she? Call him like, a wuss. Yeah, she okay. did. She yeah. fully did. After yeah. she insulted George H. W. Bush, who what flew fifty three missions and got shot down. 
Yeah, that's yeah, exactly right. Yeah, this, this dude spent a fair amount of time in the Pacific Ocean, more time in the Pacific Ocean than anyone should, should anyone would like to spend outside of a boat. Yeah. yeah, because his plane got dropped, and yet here's Ann Coulter. Oh man, I we, she we is the, just she is the fact that like it's President Coulter is like calling the shots behind this. It, it hurts. It, oh, it God, just it's not even I, that it hurts the brain. It hurts like parts of my soul I wasn't really yeah. aware of. I like I know I'm super late to the party, but I I read that uh, nickname of hers is Coltergeist and yeah. man, that's, that's good. Yeah, I like that. Actually, that makes the, 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 the parts of your soul that hurt. That's a little solve, you know, for that. That makes it feel a little better. Yeah. Do you guys remember there was a great gif after the president and his entourage were in Saudi Arabia during the sword dance, a bunch of people, a bunch of Saudis surrounded Steve Bannon. And he has like the gif caught his reaction of just mm-hmm. like sheer terror. Yeah, he's pissed himself. Yeah. Right. I would like to see Doesn't Ann Coulter's face anytime that? she's around anybody who's not a fellow white supremacist neo-Nazi. Mm. I imagine it's yeah. the same look. Much it. So back to this. So so Trump gets owned. Uh, his teleprompter stops, and he has to add not just he owned. He got just brutally owned by, by both. He's getting. I mean, he's getting it from from all sides now because the right is furious that he's betray- that he's betrayed them in caves. And that's such a beautiful thing to watch. I love how, like, with one speech, like, everyone's mad at the same person. That unity has really lost in today's political times. It really is. I mean, he united united the right and the left in a way that no previous Mm -hmm. president has been able to. There is nothing more, there's nothing to, to, to rebuild community like contempt. And uh, and boy, we've certainly had a lot of that. I, by the way, I, this is something we haven't had a chance to talk about. But I, 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 it's old news. But I do have to bring up the president of the United States serving uh, somewhere between five hundred and three thousand hamburgers, or indeed hamburgers, to, hamburgers. The, to the Clemson Tigers uh, national uh, college national football championship. And I want to bring it up for a specific reason. It's related to the shutdown, and it is this. This is something. This is an insight, actually, of my wife's that I think is really, really sharp. That that dinner that he did where he served them all like just just piles of fast food and like gave the champion the college football champions a bad case of the runs or indeed a bad case of the hogan Gidleys as we're now going to call it uh that 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 link probably lengthened the shutdown for a simple reason what trump hates most about the shutdown personally is the fact that he can't or hated most about it is that he couldn't leave the white house right even as much as his brain is porridge like he, I, he, even he is showman enough to know like the first time during the shutdown that you're pictured at Mar-a-Lago or the first time you're pictured on the golf course or wherever, all the places he likes to go while the government is shut down, you are absolute toast. Like there's just, there's no way to spin those optics. So he's stuck in the white house going crazy, not able to do the thing that he loves to do, which is what he thought the presidency was, which is going around to large numbers of very appreciative people or people who he thinks are appreciative and saying, nice to see you have a great time. That's all this guy wants to do with his life. And that's all he thought the presidency was going to be. It was just like huge rooms of people being like, you're the president. He's like, ah, great to see you. Have a great time. And he was able to do that with the Clemson Tigers. And he's so, so happy. And the fact that he got that fix, I think, lengthened the shutdown by several days. Could be. Honestly, that's like, to be glib about it, that sounds a little bit more like what people expect of the first lady. So Melania should be president and he can do all that other stuff. Oh yeah, yeah that, that's honestly. Right. If you just if you completely, uh, uh, I mean, we we yes, yeah. Actually, I'm thinking through the implications of it. Sure, let's do it. Let's make Melania the president. I mean, of the United States. could it get any worse? No, 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 no. I'll t- I'll, so, speaking of championship teams, there was a fantastic, um, just monumental diss. So the uh, Golden State Warriors refused to meet with Trump at the White House last year because he's a racist, mm-hmm. and none of them wanted to meet with him. So. 
what was it last did sometime this past week they met with obama and took like a group picture it was fantastic that was awesome yeah yeah steve kerr and, the, and they, they're, those guys know what's up yeah yeah has there ever been and i know there are people who are tired of them and like i mean they're you know they're obviously people in the golden state warriors i'm thinking specifically of dream on green but probably several others who were sort of weird and dysfunctional and probably deeply unpleasant but but i can't think of a dynasty this powerful that has also managed to be at least marginally likable you know, like the, like the fucking Patriots are are just un are yeah. just unsupportable and dreadful. Alabama getting crushed by Clemson was sad, was satisfying in part, but again, like satisfying. not particularly likable except for deep fans. Like, like the Warriors are a fairly accessible dynasty, actually by dynasty standards. Oh, see, I mean, I people really love like, the Bulls, but they weren't they didn't like take not positions. So much a dynasty, though, but also like I was thinking, like, do people like Genghis Khan? How were we mm-hmm. feeling about the Ottoman Empire? Like when you were talking about dynasties, I wasn't ready for sports ball. Yeah, where were we on the kind of like the Romanovs? You know, I mean, they had their adherents, certainly. Then they had some people who really didn't like them at all. As it yeah. I think out. getting like yanked out by the shirt collar and shot in a ditch is like probably not like a good sign for how many people liked you. Well, yes, that's true. You do have some enemies. But is that broad? Is that a broad dislike or just a very specific, a very, just a very powerful and niche dislike? Is, yeah. it very, is it better to be loved or to be feared? The Bolsheviks are kind of like real hipster haters. <laughs> 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 they were also extremely online before the internet has been created. was created. So, you know. Yeah. I, I do not recommend the, uh, the Amazon prime show, the Romanoffs. Well, speaking of large and sprawling empires, Frank, help me. What's happening with Brexit? <laughs> Thank you for that segue. Yes. Excellent. Let's yeah, that this is good. So what is happening with Brexit is it's all coming down. This, this could be its own, episode obviously i'm not going to spend a lot of time on this one but i do want to but i want to bring up brexit now for a specific reason which is the complexity of this issue is is crystallizing and or the complexity of brexit is crystallizing down to one down to one issue and that issue is the irish border um, what we are seeing is that that the the absolute sticking point on this right now appears to be quite simply that ireland and as a result the rest of the eu because any because most of the deals that need to be made with the EU would have to be approved by uh, all 27 member nations, of which Ireland is one. Um, Ireland and the EU are emphatic that there will be no hard border between Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland. Uh, as some of you may know, there was a little bit of trouble with the last one they had, uh, more than one trouble, actually, um, and it lasted for quite some time. Uh, so they are adamant that this not happen. The conservative government of Theresa May is owned whole is owned stock and fluke by the uh, by the DUP, the hard the, the conservative Ulster Unionist Party. Um, I love the irony that the British Empire is now run by a bunch of Irishmen. It's now run by the Irish. Yeah, that's exactly right. Like the fate of Britain now rests with the Irish. Ha! You know, and uh, you know, boy, talk about being owned. So, anyhow, basically, what this comes down to is. The Irish and the EU, I think, are actually are taking an unbelievably hard line because, which, but an understandable one, which is if they are not compromising on the hard backstop, they know that if Britain crashes out, there will be or the, the, the excuse me the hard border as they call it. Uh, they know that if Britain crashes out, there will be a hard border. That's the that, that's the default. I mean, what will happen is these will suddenly be two separate, very separate countries without any meaningful links, uh, and the hard border will go back up. But so basically, what? But essentially, their position is we have, you know, we have two, we have sort of three options, and two of them are bad. One of them is we can crash, we can let, we can, you know, we can let you guys crash out, not make a deal with the Brits. They crash out; it's a hard border. Two, we can agree to a hard border, which is just as bad as the crash out. Or three, we can just say we are, we are going to make you pay dearly for a hard border 
Uh, basically, the price for having a hard border is a crash out. If you guys want to have a militarized border with the Republic of Ireland, you're going to have to crash out with all the damage that that entails. Your move, Theresa May and, you know, and Britain, and that's basically what it's coming down to right, right And now. as you've said multiple times, quoting somebody else who we still don't know who it was, uh, the British negotiating with the EU is like somebody trying to negotiate with an ATM. Yeah, this is exactly right. Like it's there's there you know the Brits have no leverage on this thing, uh, and, and now it's like an ATM at a bodega with like a fifteen dollar. Exactly. Not the one inside the bodega, the one on the, the one outside, out. like right. onto the street. Yeah. Right, the right. one that's like bolted onto a steel plate that can then be lifted. Yeah, it's that. The guy. one that most assuredly swipes your debit card number. Oh, for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. and this only gives you t- and only gives you tens. Yeah. yeah, and the price that actually this this like, let's let's roll with this one a little bit further because the pri- the price of that service fee is going up every goddamn day. Um, so yeah, this is this is kind of this is kind of where we are. Uh, it's it is not clear there, as as the perennial update is there is no clear path out of this thing. Um, the you know the odds are the you know the odds are still they're, they're crashing out on March 29th and it's going to be a hard border and I, it's it is worth noting and I don't want to close this little segment on a somber note but it's it's worth noting that there was a car bomb in Derry uh, last week uh, it was a splinter group they think called the called the new IRA which is one of a one of a one of a dizzying array of dipshit splinter groups that split off from the provisional IRA at various times during the late 1980s and the end of this sentence that I am speaking now. Uh, uh, but it's you know there there are clearly some folks who are extremely looking forward to going back to the bad old days, and it's basically up to the British government about you know, to see if they can find some way to prevent that from happening. Frank, is there any chance of a re- another referendum? There is a non-zero chance of another referendum because yeah. there's a non-zero chance of everything at this point. Uh, I think the, the challenge would be what would that referendum – like the May government has determined that there should not be one. Mm-hmm. And they have said some truly implausible shit such as, oh, it would take us a calendar year to organize a full referendum on this thing. Are you kidding me? Yeah. People can do a snap election in six weeks. The, Scot- the referendum on the Scottish Parliament in the 1990s took six weeks to organize. I think it actually might have taken two months. Forgive me. One of, my, one of our many British listeners, correct me on that, but I know it didn't take a year to organize the referendum on the Scottish Parliament. These people can, or- I mean, the Brits can organize an election, you know, honestly, give them 45 minutes and a pot of tea and they'll figure it out. Like, it's one of the things that Britain actually does reasonably well is to get its elections together organized and counted. Uh, they're very, very good at that. So it, the, the idea that it would take a year to pull this together is just beyond farcical and one of the most one of the blat- one of the most bald-faced lies they've told and what has been for the for the for this government a really a golden age of bald-faced lies so yeah it's it, you know there the may government clearly doesn't want it to happen if there is some push for it the question is what would that referendum look like i mean you could have should we uh, you know should you know you could have an up or down we're just revisiting the question that seems pretty unlikely you could also have some kind of three question like do we undo the result? Do we stay? Do we revoke Article 50 and just stick around? Which the EU has said Britain can do unilaterally. They can just say, actually, no, we're not doing this. So Britain can, the only thing that Britain can do unilaterally is to decide to stay in the EU. That could be one option. One option could be a hard Brexit. Uh, and one option could be uh, you know, the, the deal that may negotiated, which no one seems to like. But if you had a referendum, I suspect would win just on, on the fact that it's the only option that it's the only apparent compromise. So it's but but there is of the legislation that is before parliament right now the votes that are before parliament right now the only uh, proposal is one for an up or down uh, second referendum or not that's coming from Jeremy Corbyn that one's not going to pass so right now i would say it doesn't look like there's going to be another referendum good times Mm-hmm. Great times. So, guys, did we cover everything we wanted to cover on this uh, shortened episode? I mean, unless news has broken in the past like twenty minutes, 
which it probably uh-huh. has. But I think we're <laughs> when good. When does that happen? <laughs> Literally <laughs> never. I don't know. I went to lunch and the government reopened. It was fucking shocking. <laughs> <laughs> nope, I think we're good. All right. So uh, with that, we thank you all for joining us. Uh, please do follow us on Twitter. And that's at Taking Ship. And that's ship with a P as in Parliament. And you can follow Maggie at Maggie M012, Frank at Frank Spring, me at Ellie Jacobs. Uh, please do uh, retweet us and follow us and send us your missives and rate us and do everything else you can so we can get some of that sweet, sweet Casper mattress money. Um, with that, Frank, where are we headed this week? This week we are uh, headed to the Naval War College, uh, where uh, which, which employs one James R. Holmes, uh, who as a as a professor, who wrote a piece for the Hill with a terrific title, Use It or Lose It, Seagoing Nations Must Defend Embattled Waterways. Basically celebrating the return of the British Navy to uh, to, to, uh, to uh, waters in the, uh, the Asian theater, where they had been uh, where they had been largely absent since Britain's withdrawal uh, in the 1950s. He's happy that the Brits are back, uh, for transatlantic reasons. It's, it, I mean, read the, read the piece if you want to, but I, but the reason we're going is that he has written this remarkable series of words. Britain's return to Asia thus warrants a cheer from the age of sail when ships were made of wood and mariners were steel. Huzzah! Now I'm all for huzzahs. In fact, I'm very much for huzzahs and I'm all for uh, references to the Napoleonic era Navy. But uh, friends, we're going to the Naval College to check on the guy who wrote those words and make sure everything's okay. So, you know, read the piece if you want to, but we're going to the Naval College. Uh, Professor Holmes, hang on. We're coming for you, buddy. Take care, everybody. Thanks. Thanks.